Hello, and welcome to the Stop Devaluation Podcast. I'm your host and founder of the Stop Devaluation Movement, Melody Hilton. The heart of this movement is to see the value in all of humanity and live courageous lifestyles of using our power for good instead of harm. We can affect change by choosing validation over judgment. And I hope you'll take your place and make a positive impact in this world. Welcome, everyone, to the Stop Devaluation My Story interview with Christiana Thompson. Thank you so much for being here, Christiana. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Melody. I'm really excited to be on here today. Well, before we talk about what you do and how you use your life to impact the lives of others, could you tell me a little bit about your story? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So my family and I, we came to the United States in 1987, originally from Sierra Leone, West Africa. I was about five months old when we came here. Um, There were rumors of war in Sierra Leone about to take place, and so we got to be here prior to that. We first moved to Ohio. Um, My dad was teaching at a university there. Then um, we 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 heard about the war that was taking place in Sierra Leone, and, you know, I remember just seeing my mom and my dad, like, you know, just really grieved by what was happening back home in their home. Then fast forward in 2002, my dad got called back home to uh, Sierra Leone to basically judge the war crimes back there. And um, after the war was declared over. And so my parents, since I was the youngest sibling, my parents wanted me to go home with them and um, basically see the aftermath of everything that had taken place and when I was about 15 years old um, and saw a lot of uh, the injustices that took place. I got to hear testimonies when my dad was judging cases in the court, in the courtroom and of just stories of people being devalued, dehumanized and um, abused and really decided that, you know, that's something that I wanted to be, um, I wanted to do something about. I know that um for me personally, there was a point in my life where I had been abused by a family member and sexually sexually molested by a family member, and I I recognized how um, how that how that affected me in my interaction with individuals. Mm-hmm. And so when I went to Sierra Leone and saw the abuse of power, I saw the dehumanization of different individuals, women and young girls. My eyes were open to a lot of. Um, just injustice. So was it when you were in Sierra Leone that you really had an understanding of your own personal abuse? Yeah, so it was when I was in Sierra Leone when I witnessed um, quite a few of the abuses that were taking place, specifically the young the young boys who were being not even recognizing that they were being sexually abused by their own by their own by their own fathers or what have you, because they were witnessing their parents um engage in um, behaviors that the young children should not be exposed to, um, and they were now acting acting that out on um, young girls, um, cousins, or you know relatives, or just young girls who would come over and play and what have you. I I, I did I did recognize you know that wow this this is this is not okay and this like you know and I it brought to the forefront a lot of the things that I that I myself had experienced at a young at a young age, and so when I recognized that you know. There was there was um, 
a devaluation in my life, you know, when I saw when I saw the young boys doing that to young girls or just, you know, walking in on certain situations in Sierra Leone, it really triggered something in me and helped me realize, like, you know, wait, this, this is not, if I'm saying this is not okay, then um, that very thing that took place with me is not okay. And I didn't know how to navigate it because I was still a teenager and I was still trying to, like, process what had taken place. So yeah, so it was it was it was it was that was the beginning of how I recognize the recognition of um, what had taken place in my life. Yes. So when you were a child, like you didn't realize that it was a bad thing that was happening to you. No, when I was a child, um, I believe uh, what we call it now nowadays is grooming. Um, I believe I was groomed by that by that by that relative. You know, like this is kind of bribe. Like if you do this, then I will do this for you or if you do you know if, if you um allow me to do this you know it's not about like basically like manipulating my mind and saying oh it's not a bad thing that you know that that's happening here um i mean being being the age i was, I was like six well six or seven years old being the age i was i didn't even recognize like you know oh it's not a bad thing you know he's just wanting to play i did not recognize the um how awful it was but also how it would affect me in the future yes so when you went back to Sierra Leone and you saw these different acts of injustice and and even abuse of one another, how did that begin to affect you there and when you came home? First of all, like seeing him on a bench and like, you know, listening listening to testimonies and having him have to process it when he gets home. You know, I mean, that's, that's, that's difficult for anyone. Like, you know, when you're hearing like, you know, all this stuff taking place in a country that you love, that you called home. Wow. Um, and like the different people, you know, I, I, I had this, I witnessed him having to process what he had heard in the courtroom at home. That right there showed me like, you know, he's really here. He's really invested in just work. He's not only is he listening to the testimonies of the, of the survivors, but he's also listening to the testimonies of the offenders, right? And all of that, recognizing like all of this is an issue within our society. This person, they had to witness something in his childhood for him to think that doing such a thing or offending somebody in such a way is, is okay. Wow. So, and also hearing, you know, the testimonies of the survivors, I'm hearing him like weigh, weigh, weigh it all, right? Weighing all of the, um, the testimonies that the, the, from, from the prosecutors to the defense attorneys. And I'm hearing him weigh all of that. And I'm like, wow, this is so interesting. This is so so profound this is so such good work so i remember like from from hearing that and hearing that he was hearing how passionate he was about it and about the work i remember like you know first witnessing a man abusing a woman like physically at my birth at my 16th birthday and um i remember seeing that firsthand the siblings of the woman that was being abused weren't weren't doing anything about it even her own brother who was there wasn't doing anything about it because of the fear of what that person who was abusing her wow. would do because he, because he was economically responsible for her. He was going to, he was possibly going to marry her one day and you know, they wanted the best for their sister. And they had this view of marriage, like, you know, Oh, he, he's probably going to want to marry her one day. We don't want to come in between that. You know, we don't want to, we don't want to mess that up for her. She's literally yelling out at the bottom of the hill. This man is going to kill me. If somebody does not come and help me, wow. you know, and I remember hearing those words and I was just, I looked at her sister and I was just like, you're really not going to do anything about this. And she was like, what can I do? He's just going to beat me too. And I was just like, okay, no, this cannot happen. 
And so I caught myself going down the hill and literally like telling him, get your hands off of her, stop hitting her. And so at that time, I was also dating somebody who was born and raised in Sierra Leone. I remember them, them following me down the hill and like basically telling me to be quiet and to keep my mouth shut. And I was like, no, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to keep my mouth shut. And so, and I remember like just knowing who I was, knowing who, who my father was, you know, was what empowered me to stand up for this young woman. Because you and, knew your father would protect you and stand up yeah, for you if he knew what was exactly. taking place. Exactly. And I was just like, my father, like, my, he's a fierce defender. So I remember telling him, because they, they called my, they referred to my father as Justice in Sierra Leone. And so the, I remember telling him, remember who my father is, Justice is just one phone call away. That was the first time I recognized, like, you know, okay, this is, this is, this is something I'm really called to, you know, because... If I don't say anything, if I'm not willing to be a voice, who's going to be a voice? Um, and so that led me to the work that I'm doing today. Let me ask you a question, okay, because you went through a molestation as a child from someone who should have protected you. You went to Sierra Leone and heard all these horrible things that were unjust and destructive and dehumanizing. So how did that affect you in those years uh, as far as what you believed and what you believed about yourself, what you believed about men, what you believed about your potential? Yeah, that a lot like a lot of that what happened, what took place in me, like, you know, what took place to me, you know, when I was a child actually um, shaped how I viewed men. And then, like, experiencing the abuses of power in Sierra Leone by men, I um, it also shaped my view of men as well. And so I remember, like, you know, just really, you know, because of the because of the devaluation and the dehumanization or the abuse of power towards me and towards other women that I witnessed, you know, in Sierra Leone, um, it, it, like, it essentially had me feeling like, you know, okay, these these guys are not worthy of my time and treating them treating them the way that they had treated they, they had essentially treated me. But I remember acting out and pretty much like not caring like you know if I hurt them because I was essentially a hurt individual. In my interactions with uh, with men, it was it was very it was very um, degrading. I never saw them as image bearers. When I came back to the United States um, and went to college, when I was in college, I treated I didn't treat them. I didn't treat men well. I wasn't. I was. I wasn't even thinking about their emotions or their feelings or whatever. And um, a really close friend of mine who I'd known since middle school, um, before I left for Sierra Leone, she really called it out of me. And she was like, "You have a. You have trust issues." And um, and she and she she didn't say it like in a degrading way. She just said it in a really loving way. She said, "I really want to help you unpack this." I remember like just crying and just like just crying and like she was like, "I want to. I want to bring you to a community of women." This is when we were in college. I want to bring into a community of women who have also experienced what you've experienced. She shared her story of, um, of rape and abuse at the hands of a, um, of a loved one. I remember like her opening that door to allow me to share my story with her. Just crying and just like opening up to her. And she was welcoming into this community of, you know, I want, I, want, I want to bring you into a community of women who have also had this experience. You know, you're more than what, what took place in you yeah. um, and really empowered me um, to recognize, you know, what had taken place and why I had trust issues towards the opposite sex. It is so yeah. powerful uh, to be around individuals that can see our value, see past our thought processes and our beliefs that 
have been destructive for us because of our experience. And so you had those type of individuals in your life that help you process through the pain. And so really, in a lot of ways, that has brought about some purpose in your life. Tell me how you now are generating value in others and how you can see the pain or the trauma of others and help them process through. So I, first and foremost, I work in a hospital right now. And so (laughs) during this pandemic, it has been completely, completely life's purpose (laughs) to generate value in others and remind them of their value and um, how appreciative we are of the work that they're doing, you know, risking Mm. their lives, especially, you know, the physicians, the nurses, um, the respiratory therapists within the hospital, the just the whole interdisciplinary team. Like we have, I've literally... I've literally made it my um, my purpose within the hospital setting, letting them know how important their work is and how thankful we are for them and for the work that they do, giving them a space to, you know, vent or um, tell me, like, you know, how they're coping and what unhealthy coping mechanisms they have taken up since this pandemic started and, you know, how we can transform those, their, their, their fears or their the thought processes into something healthy instead of having to engage in unhealthy coping mechanisms. And so that's one way. And so I also, you know, when I'm speaking to families, you know, um, who are experiencing such traumatic events right now, specifically being on the COVID unit, yeah, I've literally had to remind them of their value to us and, you know, like, like let their family, like, you know, and actually help them ease their anxieties because, Families are not allowed in a hospital setting right now, you know, and so that is totally something different, something that has shifted since um, since this pandemic started, because we're trying to figure out ways how to slow the spread of the virus. But at the same time, families who are used to advocating for their patients within the hospital setting are not able to come there, aren't, aren't able to be by their by their loved one's side. And it's so different. It's so frustrating. It's so there's a lot of anxiety there. And so me, my job is to basically allow, like, you know, give these families spaces to speak freely about their frustrations, about not being in the hospital and not being able to advocate for their patients and allowing them to, like, you know, voice their concerns about the care that their patients, their, their loved one is receiving. And so I'm that, I'm that person who kind of bridges that gap, you know, because I'm letting them know, I know you want to speak with a physician right now. And you know, I know, like, you know, you're really anxious about speaking with a physician yeah, they're unavailable right now in this moment, but I will make, I am letting them know that you are wanting to talk to them. I'm communicating this to them. I'm making sure I'm letting um, the families know that your voice is being heard and we are make, we are, we're listening, we're, we're, we're hearing you and we are so sorry that we can't allow you here. But, you know, um, just, and, and then basically confronting the biases on both sides. And so it's been really, it's been, it's been really a great thing. I also run a nonprofit called The mm. Mending Peace where I do a lot of, um, healing and reconciliation work in the community. And so it's so funny how I'm doing a lot of that work within the, within the system that I'm in right now, but also taking it to the community where we're actually having difficult conversations, difficult dialogues, and um, actually doing the healing work and um, the peacemaking work and building the beloved community of the stuff that Dr. King used to speak of all the time, right? Right. Um, and so we are like, you know, that's the work that we do. We, 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 you know, we have, we go into post-conflict societies where there's been a lot of war that has taken place. Right now we're in Cote d'Ivoire where we're helping build an orphanage there and um, wanting to give these orphans and these widows a space to heal from the, from the events that have taken place. 
but also giving, you know, giving them um, an opportunity for restorative justice and what that looks like within their communities. It's just really wanting to basically remind people that they are being seen, that they are being heard, their voices are heard. We want to heal them. We want to aid in the healing process. We want to aid in the reconciliation process so the community can thrive um, and not just remain where they are post-war, post-conflict. It is my experience in Sierra Leone that actually brought me to this place. And so also my experience from abuse, you know, as well. So like I see all of that and I'm like, you know, people need to recognize how valued they are and how loved they are and how cherished they are. The world is telling them that they aren't valued, that they aren't loved, that they aren't cherished, you know. And so just flipping those lies into truth of um, who they are and empowering them by um, reminding them of that. Sounds like you are an expert in dealing with trauma, whether it's sexual (laughs) abuse, whether it's a war-torn nation, whether it is a a COVID floor, you know, with the nurses and the the doctors and the trauma they're experiencing and what the families Mm -hmm. and the patients are experiencing. All Mm -hmm. these are trauma events that just so affect the soul And it seems like you're this individual who has the ability to go in to people's trauma and help bring healing. Yeah, that's totally my, that's like, I mean, I I see that as like my, as my purpose. I recognize that. And I'm like, you know, I had to choose forgiveness. And I thank God for the community that he, that he placed me in, um, where they were like, you know, they, they just reminded me of the value that I had, the love that I, that I have to give, you know what I'm saying? And like, I just, I just, I just see a desire to just go into those areas where people would not, would, would not, would not want to go into, you know, and actually like see, see, see that they are, that they are healed from whatever it is that they experience as a child. They have like literally swept under the rug um, and said, you know, I'll deal with this later, or I'm not going to deal with this at all because you know I don't want, I don't want to think about it because it's just so hurtful. I just want to go into those areas and actually really like literally like literally lift up the rug so they can at least get the healing that they need. So they can also um, transform their community, transform their generation, transform their um, places of employment. And so, yeah, that's, that's totally my, I totally see that as my life's purpose. I'm such a proponent of um, saying that like trauma healing is justice work Um, going into these areas and actually standing up for the, for those who feel like they do not have a voice, whether it be the young girl who has been sexually abused within her community or the, or the older woman who is being physically abused by her spouse or the, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. or, um, all, all of it is, is, is justice work. And so that's how, that's how I see it. And like, um, that's, that's why I'm just totally completely passionate about it and constantly doing research on it too. So. <laughs> Christiana, thank you so much for being an instrument of justice that you've allowed your pain to become a purpose, that you're able to reach in to hurting lives, wounded lives, traumatized lives, and be that instrument of justice. Thank you so much for being a part of my story, Christiana. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Melody. It's an honor and privilege to be here. I want to thank you for listening and encourage you to become a part of the Stopped Evaluation Movement. Be sure to like and follow hashtag Stopped Evaluation on social media, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and visit StoppedEvaluation.com.
for more information and free resources. You can help spread the movement by sharing with others, leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, and most of all, by living a courageous lifestyle of using your power for good. Go out and value someone today. Your life matters and you can make the world a better place. One word, one choice, one action of validation at a time.